Hey, this is Stevie Salas, and you're listening to the Ken Valdez Approach. Welcome, welcome to the Ken Valdez Approach. Oh, yeah. Welcome on in. It's your boy KV coming at you from my soul renegade sound studio here in Minneapolis. I am welcoming you to the Ken Valdez Approach. Man, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a little while. I missed y'all. Yeah, I've been touring again. I've been writing. I've been recording. And sometimes life just gets in the way of, of, of doing stuff like this. But man, I'll tell you, it feels great to be back Back in the saddle again, having these conversations for y'all, bringing them to y'all, and man, we are doing things right for you this week. Oh my goodness. My special guest for you is Todd LaTorre of Queensryche. In a lot of circles, Todd is very polarizing. He's outspoken. But man, I can't fault him. I can't blame him. I don't want him to be any different, you know? And I can't even imagine... Being in the position that he's in, right? Feeling these tremendous shoes of an iconic voice in the world of heavy metal. And not only did he feel those shoes, but man, he has brought Queensryche back to that place of, of you know, those majestic records, that classic Queensryche sound, right? And then some. So we get to find out a little bit more about. Todd and about the inner workings of, of an iconic heavy metal band. And uh, man, he's just a great, great guy. So I hope that y'all enjoy this conversation with a man whose voice is is tremendous. <laughs> and he didn't even want to be a singer. Could you believe that? This is my conversation with Todd LaTorre right here for you on The Approach. Check it out. Well, hey, I'm with Todd LaTorre of Queensryche. What's happening, my brother? How you doing? I'm enjoying the little bit of downtime I have left before we head out again. <laughs> yeah, you've been busy, dude. You've yeah. been real busy. So let's talk a little bit about that. You were out with uh, with Judas Priest. Yeah. How was that, man? How was? Have you guys done stuff with them before, or or is this your was this your first time going out with them? Or so before I joined the band, uh, Queensrÿche had toured with them before, and then they also did. Um, I don't know if it was Halford or Judas Priest on the Heaven and Hell tour that they did with Dio. For me, I mean, I've been in the band going on 11 years now. This was the first time that I got to. And so we did two tours, two legs. Um, the first one, they were both, I think it totaled about three, three and a half months or so total. Wow. So it was great, man. I mean, you know, it's Judas Priest. Judas Priest. How was it, man? I mean, I mean, just yeah. I want to. I want to know the skinny on it because I mean, you know, I've I've been following you for a while now, and I know that that Rob Halford is is one of those influences. Sure. And of course, he's just. I mean, he's the metal god, right? So yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, when we got that first tour, it was, it was like, okay, this is this is this is really good for the band to be playing larger venues and uh, you know, maybe people that fell off the radar with Queensryche get a chance. You know, there are some people that maybe if we were playing, they wouldn't come see, but because it's Judas priest and we're the direct support, they come and they say, okay, well I'll check them out since they're on the bill anyway. And, you know, so it was really good to, to um, get in front of thousands of people each night that may not have come to see us. I mean, I know there were a lot of Queensryche supporters at the shows, but it's still their audience. It's their show. So, um, you know, that was awesome. I remember the, the first time that I that I saw Rob, <laughs> we were walking through the, the hallways of some arena or civic center or something. And, you know, they just have wardrobe case after wardrobe that you wouldn't believe. Right how many you know like kiss for example you know they have obviously a lot of clothes but they kind of have the 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 same i don't know i don't know how many wardrobe cases they have but i could tell you that judas priest has a a shit ton <laughs> of wardrobe case. so we're walking down the hall and there's all these cases and we're going to the stage so we're all dressed we're we're walking to down this hallway to get to wherever 
and and standing at this open doorway of this dressing room is Rob Halford in a robe. I think he had flip flops on or some kind of sandal. Oh, or wow. I don't even I don't remember if he had shoes on, but he was just wearing a robe and that was it. And and he had like a drink in his hand, like a tea or something. And he was like, I don't know if he said gentlemen or he said something. And we, you know, we were just kept walking and Hey man, he was, you know, that was the first time I kind of saw Rob on that tour was in a robe. And then, um, you know, throughout the tour, we got to talk and, and he was really, really, really gracious. I remember there was a time where my voice just wasn't good that day. And, uh, and he said, oh, what's the matter? Because I said, hey, get me a lemon to one of our guys, because I like to cut up lemon wedges. And during a guitar solo, I'll go back and I, I like to, I like lemons anyway. So I cut them into wedges and I rip peel the thing off and I'm chewing this lemon. So he says, what do you need a lemon for? Rob does. And I said, oh, my voice is just kind of sucks today. And it's not, you know, he goes, you know. There's nothing you can do about it. Just surrender to it. I know exactly how you feel. Just go out and do the best you can. And that's all you can do. And I said, thanks. And then the next day, he I heard someone calling my name, of course, with this British accent and, you know, saying, Todd, Todd. And so I said, who's somebody's calling my name? He said, somebody's calling your name. And, and in walks Rob. And he's got this bag of like Ricola um, throat lozenges, these ones that he uses. And he said, hey, you know, I got these for you. I brought these for you. Um, you know, this is what I use and they, they, I like them. And I, I opened the bag. I said, well, here, let me just get a, like a little handful. And I was going to give him the bag back. And he goes, no, 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 I got these. These are for you. I don't, wow. you know. And I said, oh, man, that's that's so cool of you. And. He was just really not everyone in the band was great. I got to hang out a lot with, um, you know, with uh, Andy Sneap. In fact, he just texted me the other day because, you know, we both like uh, certain kinds of guitars. And so he's like, oh, check this out. I just got this. And and so um, we still stay in contact. But everyone in the band was great. Their whole crew and camp was great. They treated us, you know, very respectfully and. We, we did our job. I think we delivered and, you know, we were also on and off the deck exactly when we had to be. So they weren't like waiting around for, you know, God, you guys are running over time or right, right. We, we were really, really conscious of that. And it just worked. And then when that first tour was done, you know, I thought, well, that's never going to happen again. Boy, what a, you know, <laughs> it would take, 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 take it in that this is a one-time shot. And then we got offered it again. Nice. And I was like, yes. And so we went out again. And the second time was better because we already had that rapport and that chemistry. And it was like seeing each other again. Here we go again, guys. And it was really great, man. And I thought it was really good optics for Queensryche you know, to show that, you know, we do a lot of stuff. We play casino gigs when nobody else can get into a club. We play fairs, we play festivals, we do our own club shows, theaters, amp, you know, and to show that we can still go out with a band like Judas Priest and still throw down. And obviously they respected us and what we, what we do and what we brought to the package. I think we had a value to the package and, uh, you know, hopefully some other really cool stuff happens with other bands, too. You know, I mean, sure. we toured with the Scorpions extensively. And so wow, that was that's awesome. Right. That's and right. then, you know, to do Judas Priest. So, you know, if we could get on a Maiden tour or ACDC or Def Leppard, stuff that the guys did way back, you know. Right. Um, it was kind of like coming full circle again this late in, in everyone's career and in, in this stage of our lives that... It would be cool, I think, if Queensryche could go out with some of these bands again and be like, remember when we toured in 85? You know, I wasn't in the band, but they they have a history, you know. Well, let's talk a little bit about that history. And, and the only reason why I'm saying that is, is, you know, as a fan and as somebody who's listened to this band, you know, for, for many years, 
there was obviously uh, a little bit of a change in the sound, I guess, right? You know, uh, kind of towards the, uh, the uh, before you came into the band. Sure. But man, let me tell you, here's, this is my thought, this is my opinion, take it, leave it, whatever. Dude, you and what you brought to that band, it kind of, it, it recharged the batteries. It brought Queensryche back to what Queensryche was all about, in my opinion. Right? Sure. And so it's awesome to hear these stories that you have about going out with Scorps or going out with, with yeah. uh, Judas Priest and, and, you know, being able to do that again. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, I was a fan of this band also. So, I mean, I can remember, um, I don't know how old I was, 17, 18, whatever it was, standing in line at, um, a record store here in Florida for like an hour and to, to get them to sign the warning CD case. I have pictures from that. Nice. Um, and I remember the albums that I loved from the band. And then as the years go by and I was got into a lot heavier stuff too. Um, you know, in, in my late teens, early twenties and, and, and from then on that time forward, you know, I was listening to a lot of like Slayer and Pantera and Testament and Overkill and a lot of thrash stuff. And uh, I every, you know, I would go back and then while well, the Internet happened. Right. right. And so then I would and then you could check up on stuff. So, so I wonder what Queensryche's doing. I haven't listened to them in a while. And and I would hear something of a new record. And I was like, Ugh, what happened to the killer vocals? What happened to the edge, the guitar? What happened? this, I don't like this. And so I just didn't listen to it. And then another, a year or two later, I'd say, Oh, I heard Queensryche has a new album. Let me, let me get a little, a sample and I would hear it and I would be disappointed again. And, and, you know, look, the reality is, is there were outside writers eventually coming into the band. These writers were things that, that the old singer brought in. Um, and look, maybe you don't always want to write the same sounding record. You want to experiment with different things. And as an artist, you should be allowed to do that. Absolutely. However, Absolutely. however, Ken, there, there's, you have to be conscientious of, this is also a business. And when you, when you change the recipe 180 degrees, you know, if you're if you're a barbecue joint and now all you sell is vegan, you're in trouble. OK, so you you have to also say, OK, this is our style. We we've changed in some ways, but these core fundamentals are still present and kind of glue that past with where we are today. Right. Fine. But look, the fact is that whole edge was gone. And when I got into the band, it's not that like, you know, I did, I, I think just the fact that, that it wasn't Jeff and somebody else came in that wasn't controlling the musical direction, in my opinion. And from what I've heard from the band, I mean, it's very evident when you, the first record I did with this band doesn't sound anything like the last decade before I joined. Right. So you say, well, what's the difference? I didn't write that music. You know, I said, you guys write the music. I'll write lyrics and melodies and we'll, you know, it's a co-write thing. Next thing I know, I'm being shown all these great ideas. Um, hey, where, where'd you, where, did you just make that up? Michael say, no, that's been on a hard drive since I think like promised land or here in the now wow. or something like that. And I was our tribe. You know, back with Tribe, and I would say there was one song called Selfish Lives that we did on the Condition Human record, and it was this cool kind of groovy, you know, it was just this kind of sexy, cool, mid-tempo thing. And I was like, dude, this is cool. Let me, is you know, what happened with that? Oh, I showed it to you-know-who, and I was told it was too heavy. I said, what <laughs> i said okay well let's just make let i've said this a million times too kent on on other interviews i said 
You're never going to tell me something's too heavy. So show me what you have. Like, I want to hear everything. And so it became a democracy again. It became a band that isn't going to be stifled and trying to turn the band into like some alternative contemporary rock pop thing. And, you know, so when I got into the band, what do you want to play? I'm like, I want to do Roads to Madness, Queen of the Reich, Child of Fire, NM156, Eyes of a Stranger. Like they were doing Eyes of a Stranger, but like these more metal old school things they weren't doing. And so when people say, oh, you know, the band changed when you joined, I would say, well, we're back to really doing a lot of stuff that just hadn't been done in a long time. And the new stuff is stuff that these guys want to write. I'm not telling them, write something really heavy. I'm saying, let me hear what you got. And so we just work really well as a band and, and we care about each other as people and we respect each other's opinions and feelings and you know, um, it's, it's, it's been a great thing, you know, and, uh, now the band is, since I've joined the band, we've, I think the trajectory of the band from where it was right before I joined has definitely gotten better. You know, I mean, yeah, we're not selling out arenas, but nobody is except for Maiden and Metallica from our, that era. So, you know, everybody else is doing the same gigs we are pretty much. Right. Um, but we're maintaining and we're not, you know, we're still doing really good business. And I think that the band has gotten the respect again from a huge part of the, the, the base and, and from peers, you know, that are, that are seeing us perform live. Well, obviously, I mean, you, you're getting it from Judas Priest. You're getting it from, you know, from the guys. Right. And, you know, here, yeah. here I am as a fan of the band and I'll never forget this, man. I was, it, it's so funny to hear you say, you know, or, or tell your story about, oh, I wonder what, you know, Queen Drugs up to. I haven't, I haven't heard this in a while. And, you know, I was the same way. I was the exact same way. And then, you know, sure. of course, I'm curious when, when the new guy shows up, right? Of course. Let me tell you, man, there's a couple things that I noticed. The first song that I heard you guys do with you on vocals was Redemption. Okay. And yeah. I was that was it. Like, and that has become one of my favorite Queensryche songs huh, probably cool. ever. Yeah. Thanks. The melody was back. The heaviness, the, the, you know, all the intricacies, all the, all the cool prog stuff, yeah. but it was heavy and it was, it's like, dude, they're back. It's, it, it sounds like yeah. Queensryche. And then yeah. you are as a vocalist. Now I think, you know, take this as you will. I, I, I mean this as, as a complete and total, compliment to you sure now granted you you know you're filling in these shoes that are synonymous with that sound sure and you're doing it fantastically but here here was the thing for me while you definitely tried to you know you you definitely have your own thing going on within it but how you sing it's the nuances and it's not like you know you (laughs) you get the nuances of, of, of what he was doing. And that's what makes yeah. those songs happen. Yeah. So to hear you put your own thing behind it, but have the, like that knowledge and respect of the nuance, man, it was, it was just like, I mean, the heavens opened up, man. It's like, dude, they are back. And this sounds fantastic. Thank I've you. been going through this this catalog now, you know, knowing that you and I were going to talk and I listen to it anyway. But man, the new record is killing. Thank you. Yeah, man. Absolutely. And I mean, it's just <laughs> it, it's so good. You know, <laughs> I'll, probably get, I'll probably get shit on for this, but it's so good to have that excitement about a Queensryche record again. Sure. You know I mean? Yeah, man. No, I, I, I understand what you mean. Uh you know, I, a lot of people say, oh, this this album could have been, you know, even like condition, the self-titled condition, human, the verdict, this one, Digital Noise Alliance. So far, a lot of people have said, oh, I think this is the best one out of the four that that I've done with the band. I don't I don't know how I feel about that, because I, I you know, when you write songs that, you know, you're a musician, you write when, when you write some, you're like, is it better than what I had done on the last record. I, I don't, I don't know that I feel that way, but if people feel that way, at least they're not saying it's not as good as the last one. 
if they right. say it's and they like it better then okay that's that's cool but you know um it's uh the the sound definitely got back to the band you know we've done heavy stuff in the context of heavy for queens we've done very slow things like forest or the song portrait from from uh the previous record you know uh there was bulletproof you know dark reverie so there's some really good ballads in there um you know and and we don't ever approach anything like okay we have to like model this after rage for order or mind crime or empire we just say show me what you got and then it just evolves into something and then we have a, ha- a ton of stuff and then we start weeding out what we think is the weaker stuff and you just end up with a record and then i just say well you know when you're writing and, and you're recording and you're going through the whole process and people haven't even heard a song yet you're like you're kind of like you're not over the songs but you've heard them so many times you're kind of like ready to move on to the next record yes yes so, you know we're, we're familiar territory I'm, I'm excited to do the next one you know that's awesome man and yeah. it's that's so funny to hear too man just like i i love hearing this because this is definitely you know those those uh kind of things that artists think about or go through yeah you know, because we yeah we write we sit with them forever we record yeah. them that's yeah. you know how could we make it better how could we you know is this or is or, this or, or there or there's also things ken where you're like okay where's that fine line between we've already done that and hey this is kind of a signature thing we do right sure. wow. so there's that fine line between you say okay we we've we've cr- I've done this vocally, uh, you know, maybe I don't want to do that in this song again. And you say, yeah, but that's a, that's a staple thing, you know, and maybe I should do that because it, it's what I feel. And as an artist, you want to play what you feel. You don't want it to be so contrived and, and manipulated in a way that doesn't feel right, but you have to, sometimes you're mindful. You say, okay, we've already done this effect. We've already done this guitar sound here we have the flanger on that we don't want to do that again we've already done the rotary thing here we've already you know put the big reverb thing here and so you start sonically you know even artistically but sonically like if you were playing guitar you're like okay i've already done this run and even though i'm doing it in a different key it's the same kind of feel but God damn, it fits this song perfectly. Right. And I don't, I, I, I want to do that. So you say, you know, Hey, that's what he does. Right. It's like finger tapping with, with Eddie Van Halen. They always oh, already finger tapped in that song. Don't do that again. Well, that became his signature thing. So, right, right. you know, you have to sometimes um, battle with yourself or, or, you know, that's when the band, we have all these talks and say, you know, have we, is it, we've already done that is it too repetitive or do we just acknowledge hey this is a kind of a queen's thing and just do it because it fits the song sure well here's here's something for you right so listening to if you want to call it like you know mock 2 version of the band right what it sounds like to me is such a you know is it's it's an evolution yeah right and when I listen, it's like, how do I put this? It's like the records are, are, are telling a story, you know, even sonically or, or musically, but you hear this band, you know, Queen of the Rag to In Extremis, yeah. right? Like we hear these songs and it's just like, yeah. okay, this progression is fantastic, man. It's Thank really you. interesting. It's really interesting to hear the progression of the band. And, you know, it's, it's also, again, very exciting but you touched on something that i want to actually ask you about because you know here you are coming into this band what do you think is that signature queensryche sound what is it i mean it's 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 a culmination of several things but i think it the first thing that i can say from my experience is it really starts with the guitar because when michael sends me a piece of music for example and i hear it i'm like 
God, that just sounds like Queensryche with no singing, no, just a guitar thing, you know, drums and guitar, for example. And, but really the guitar, it's the chords that he uses. It's, it's the way that he plays, you know, he's not like this shredding, sweet picking arpeggio guy. He's a melodic player and very mindful of the note selections and letting notes hang and harmonized guitars. So things that make that Queensryche sound, you've got the guitars that I mentioned, the, those rhythms with those chords, um, you know, they're not just plain power chords. They're, they're, you know, inverted chords or they're suspended chords or whatever, whatever he's doing or they're doing. And then you've got, um, his tone, you know, he still plays well live. We use a Kemper and we use, um, he's, he's profiled all of his amps. When we did this record, he brought over five, five Marshall heads. They were right where I'm looking. And it was the head from Rage for Order, The Warning, Mind Crime, Empire, and Promised Land. And so he, we would experiment with different amps um, for different songs. So it's not the same amp for every song for the rhythms. Um, so you get this, this tonal quality. It's not like he's playing through a boogie or an EVH or something, you know? Right, right. He, he's got a tone. And then his guitars and the way that he plays, as you know, you're going to play a Stevie Ray Vaughan song differently than Joe Satriani would or Stevie Ray Vaughan would or right. It's the attack. It's it's all how you attack something. So you have that element that's kind of an intangible thing. Mm -hmm. You can't just go buy that. Um, and then, you know, from a foundation perspective, you have that very solid foundation of the drums and Eddie Jackson's bass his base. So you have this very, you know, very locked in tight together thing happening, you know, vocally, um, you know, there, there are those, like you were talking about earlier, there's, there's nuances in the vocals that, you know, there's guys that'll can hit some of those notes like better than I can. And, and I'll hear somebody on YouTube do something. And I'll say, fuck, I wish I could do it like that. And I, and I'm in the band, but then they start to sing a verse at 99.9% .9 of the time, the tone is so different or the vibrato is too fast or there isn't vibrato enough or the little cries that Jeff was known for using, they overdo it on, on everything. So you'll hear that, that little, those little cries when you enter a phrase, they'll do it like, overkill like it's way too much you say like, okay now you're you're overshooting it you're it's almost like becomes comical where you're like no it you there's a very fine place to where it needs to happen and then you have people singing notes and selling notes you have people singing with pure passion and then you have other people just playing the parts right like you're you're a guitarist phoning right? it in man right well, they just, there's a lot of guys that can play mechanically. Yes. They're playing it precisely, but there's a soul that's not translating in that delivery. And you can hear that. It's like, if I say, you know, um, uh, hi, you're, you're on with the kid, you're Ken Valdez, blah, 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 blah. Right. If I'm answering a phone, but I'm not smiling, you know that. But if I go, Hey man, how you doing? You can hear a smile. Absolutely. It's like yes. when we've all had like those shitty telemarketing jobs when we first <laughs> got into the workforce. And one of the things they try to tell you is smile on the phone. Do people can hear that? Right. It's the same way when you're playing, you can hear when that, when your heart is really in it, there's just something that changes. That's why there's like that magic of the demo sometimes. Right. Like, man, I, I just played that with my, my heart and I was just tracking. I wasn't thinking that this is the one I was just in that moment. And then later you go to recreate it and you're like, I'm playing it the same some, but it's not something special about this one in the demo. And you end up keeping the demo and you fly it into the real album because right. you're never going to capture that again. So it's the same way with the singing. So you combine all of these elements and, you know, um, these atmospheric things and sonic things and, little ear candy that's happening in our music that um, 
that's what makes the Queensryche sound. So Queensryche isn't one person. It's a collective of all of those elements I just described. And, you know, this is also a band that's been around for 40 years. So, you know, their writing style changes a little, their tastes change. You know, you're not the same person you were 20 years ago. Right. And you're not the same person now that you're going to be in 20 years. So people have to also remember that a lot of people say, you know, Oh, you know, it's not the glory days of, of operation mind crime. And you got to say, yeah, but even with the original band, they never captured that again. They got lightning in a bottle on that record. And with the original lineup, they never did it again. It never happened again. Be thankful that it exists. Whereas fans, we're all thankful that it exists, but stop using that as some benchmark for, you know, nothing as good a band does unless it reaches that. But then you have the nostalgia aspect where people's, they grew up listening to these, this music. And so there's even a greater affinity for that particular album, for that art, for, you know, a fan, for, for a particular artist that even if they wrote that record again today, it won't be as special to them because it doesn't have the baggage with it. doesn't yeah. have those emotional connections to it. Absolutely. You hold on to something like that or, or talk about the glory days or sure. you know, coming at it that way as a fan, man, a lot of times you kind of miss the magic of what's being created now. And, Bingo. and when you also look at it as a whole, man, just seeing the progression, seeing and hearing, you know, the changes and, yeah. and the moods and the, you know, like you said, these guys weren't the same as, as they were 40 years ago. They sure. were the same as they were, you know, 10 years ago, they, like things change, but the progression I think is also part of the journey, part of the song. Of the sound, absolutely. The song. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I, I feel you on that. Yeah. I'm going to take a short break from my conversation with Todd Latore to talk to my guitar playing friends, to talk to my bass playing friends, and those that love them. <laughs> I'm talking to my players out there that are out gigging, that are out playing live, that are out touring, and might be looking for a kick-ass wireless system. Stage Clicks is your answer. These guys are amazing. They're building great products, several for you to choose from that hit several price points, man. They're not going to break the bank and their stuff is quality. They are ready for the road. They're burly. They're great. They're built well. They don't cut your tone. And check this out. In the world of wireless, this is almost unheard of. The chances of you to have drop off or interference, it's almost impossible with their systems. Plus, their range and their reach, it's massive. I am a convert. I'm a total convert. I used to run nothing but chords. I used to run chords into, into my guitar. Not anymore, man. Not anymore. I am running the Jack V4 Pro, and I could not be happier. These guys are the real deal. So, if you can, go check out their website, Stage Clicks, Stage, C-L-I-X, USA.com. Check out their social media and go do a deep dive, man. They got something for all y'all, man. And I'll tell you, it's absolute quality. So get ready. Go wireless. Go stage clicks. You are also a hell of a drummer, man. Thank you. you. Like that was that was gonna be your bag though, right? Like you, yeah. you came into this singing thing, like yeah. just, you thought you were gonna just what backgrounds and, and, and playing or, or, or singing and playing or, or just well, playing? What, what was the deal there? I mean, yeah, I was always a drummer. I play guitar too, but just as a songwriter, even though I collect guitars and I love guitars, I have a wall of guitars behind me. Nice. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, the, um, the singing thing kind of came up where the, the short, short, short version is, uh, I was at this bar and this band was playing and they did like a lot of the 80s rock and metal stuff and they did iron maiden and this guy that i knew was telling them oh you gotta have my friend talk come up and sing wasted years he's he's so good and all this guy i said no 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 no." i was really embarrassed and i didn't i was didn't want to go up there and of course they were pressured me 
kind of pushing me, go, go. And now everybody's like, yeah, do it. And so I went up there and I sang wasted years and the guy who was running sound, he's, he passed away, but uh, he had said to that band, Hey, you know, this was before tribute bands were like a really popular thing. Sure. And he was like, if you want to do a maiden tribute band, like there's your guy, this guy sounds a lot like Bruce Dickinson. Um, and so that was kind of like, I met with these guys and I thought, well, maybe I'll give the singing thing a try, you know? And, and like, I always liked to sing and I did sing on like my own ideas or whatever, but I never sang in a band at that point ever, you know? And, uh, so my friend, Matt Laporte, who um, passed away also, he's the guy that played in John Oliva's pain, the guy from sabotage. Sure. And, uh, he knew the crimson glory guys and, and I had written one little demo with him and he was pretty floored when he heard it. And he contacted those guys and was like, dude, like, I know you guys are not really active, but you got to hear my friend. And so I went and met them, um, in Sarasota cause their singer passed away. A lot of deaths, you know, yeah, yeah, their, sing- yeah. their singer passed away and they were having a lot of guest singers. So I kind of went up there and met him just to kind of help out okay, I'll play this singer for this verse on this song when you do your concert. And I was just kind of helping him out. And then, of course, I was able to captivate the sound of their singer Midnight, like, eerily well. Um, if people think I can sing, like, you know, the old Queensryche stuff, I mean, if you heard what I did in Crimson Glory, it's very similar to the Queensryche style. But if you heard, like, this, there's a song called In Dark Places, um, and there's a version I did on YouTube and then there's the original. And if you ABM, it's like, it's pretty nuts. Wow. And, uh, so then I ended up getting in that band. That's how the singing thing kind of happened. I, I was just going to try to do this Iron Maiden tribute thing. <laughs> At that point, I hadn't quite learned how to bridge as well. Right. And so I, tonally I was there, but you know, I didn't know that I could sing a couple songs in a row without being blown out. Cause I just wasn't, I hadn't learned. I was singing so much throat and chest, uh, chest belting so much that I had to still learn how to bridge. And so once I figured that out, then, I, then, then, then shit was about to get real. Nice. Dude. But, but, yeah. but, but when that, uh, when that little gathering happened with these guys, we met one time, I don't think they were terribly impressed and I know them all like we're friends, like they gig locally and whatever, but they never like asked me to do try it again or do more. It was, I was kind of just never contacted again about it. And so I was like, Hmm, I said, well, maybe, maybe I'll put my own thing together. Sure. And then that's when I met Matt and got into Crimson Glory and I was in that band. And, and then I gained some notoriety in Europe primarily. And then that's how, when I met Michael from Queensryche, he had seen stuff on YouTube of me. We met at a dinner in, at the NAMM show at a Seymour Duncan artist dinner party. Right on. My friend, yeah. my friend Tom McDine was endorsed from them and, and he had a plus one. So he asked if I wanted to go. I said, okay, that's how I met Michael. He saw my stuff on YouTube, sure. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So the singing thing was always like, even when I gigged locally in the nineties, you know, I would um, sing harmony backing vocals while I was drumming, but drumming was always like my, my home base. You know, I, I loved, was my blanket. I don't want to be up front exposed with everybody staring at me and, and the light on me and it's my voice. And what if I don't feel well and you can hear it, you can feel like shit and still play drums. You know, you, you can't do that as a singer, man. I'm going to stop you right there because when I saw you, <laughs> so I hate saying that it's been a few years since I've seen you guys perform, but it's when okay. I saw you and when we met, you were sick. You were sick and it was it was crazy to watch because I'm watching from the side of the stage and here you were like, you know, whenever there's a moment, you jump to the back and get yourself some, you know, tea, some tea yeah. right? Yeah. And you go back out. But here's the thing. The only reason why I even knew you were sick was because I saw you doing this and I'm a singer myself. So it's like, ah, ah, his voice is uh, yeah, not know. feeling well. Yeah. But you were 
killing it, man. You were dead on everything. And I think I asked you that night, I was just like, how, how are you doing? Do you have like a, like a thing that you do to, no. to, to keep that? No, you don't. You just no. do, you just do you. You just I yeah. love that, man. I love and there's that. also times you probably know, I mean, if you as singing, you know, there's times you're like, oh, this isn't coming out. And then literally when you're on stage in front of an audience and the mic's in your hand, like it just comes out and you're right. like, this shouldn't be happening because I've been really trying to do this backstage and my voice is shot. And then you get out there and all of a sudden there's a better voice than what you had a minute ago. I don't know how that happens, but right. it, it happens a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. Well, let's, let's talk about you as a fan. Sure. Right? You growing up, you know, before everything. Yeah. What were you listening to? What did you grow up listening to? Sure. Um, well, as a kid, you know, my mother was really into a lot of like Motown, R&B. So like, you know, Michael Jackson, uh, Teddy Pendergrass, uh, Luther Vandross, um, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, she always loved Michael McDonald's voice. And then my dad, they were divorced, but my dad, you know, would listen to like Steely Dan and Billy Joel and Elton John and, you know, uh, Boss Gags and Cat Stevens and a lot of that, that sound, you know, I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. I'm a huge Steely Dan fan. I love bands like uh, 10CC and Player. Um, I like Ambrosia. I like I like Level Forty Two. I yeah, like man. so a, a lot of that like yacht rock stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm all over. When I'm in the car, I put that stuff on. You know, there's just so much. Um, you know, Neil Young. There's so much storytelling and dynamics and space in music in that time. You know that you don't hear a lot today in the genre that, that I'm kind of a part of. Um, there's so much overplaying and everybody's trying to fill every space with all these notes. The drum, the drummers are over drumming. The guitar players are just shredding the whole time in, in metal. You know, if you put on, you know, some of these stations, it's, this, it's all screaming. There's not, there's no, there's no real singers, um, you know, in power metal, you still hear like singing and stuff and prog stuff, but a lot of like what's considered like metal, heavy metal today is just a bunch of screaming. There's no, there's nothing there. And it's boring as hell to me anymore. I mean, there's a few bands that, that cut through for me, but overall, you know, I really, I really find inspiration, not from that, but from the older stuff. Then as I got into my teens, um, I discovered Dawkin and rat and that was the first time i'd ever heard a like a a, a chugging on the low e sure. you know like dream warriors gotta 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 you didn't really hear that that happening i mean barracuda ding, 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 ding. you would hear that kind of pedaling but it didn't have that sound like george lynch had or rat with warren demartini and then you're getting into these really cool solos that i wasn't used to hearing and then I started getting into like that sound, right? Sure. So I was big into that. Then I discovered Queensryche and Iron Maiden with this very heavy operatic kind of vibrato type of singing. And that changed everything for me. That's when I, I said, I mean, it was like, it was just like this, this magical feeling that I remember having when I heard Bruce Dickinson sing. And I was like, okay, that is the shit. And I love this. And so I really just kind of lived in the Iron Maiden, Queensryche, Fate's Warning space. Dio, Striper. I was a huge, I'm still a big Striper fan. Same but, here, man. You know, um, the vocals, the harmonies that that they have, the, the, the soloing was singable, right? Like you could sing, we can all sing those Striper solos. 
Right. Right. There, there's some shred in there, but it's, it's all tasteful and the nice bending and we can, we can talk those solos with our mouths. And, uh, and then I got into like heavier stuff. Like I said earlier, like more thrash and into, you know, more, some extreme metal, but today that feel good music for me is still the seventies singer songwriter era, James Taylor, Jim Croce. And, you know, then you have the, the amazing mus- musicians of Steely Dan right. and um, you know, Walter Becker and, and like the stuff that, but you, but you, you, you listen, you say, Oh, there's a closed hi hat here. Here comes the, here comes the end of that thing. No fill and no crash symbol. Okay. And it's bigger because it's not, you know, it's just, that's like my, all you heard, right. Was that famous, boom, boom. Right. Right. And, and clean guitar. And they layered things like the Beatles. You start, they start to introduce this other little thing that gets woven in and it's very subtle. And then it comes in and here's another layer of something. By the time you're at this climax of the song, you got a lot going on, still separation, doesn't sound clouded. And it's very full and dynamic. So I try to learn and listen on those older things and go, okay, I'm not hearing that today in certainly not in this style that we play in um how can we utilize like what made these great songwriters what makes these songs so great the eagles stevie ray vaughn you know these kind of artists well i mean you guys i think in my opinion queens they're they're one of those bands that you they're always going to be in the conversation you know, they are, they tried and true have been proven, you know, to be truly one of the greats. I, I believe that. I believe that. And I think one of the reasons for that is because, yeah, you, you have all the, all the cool stuff going on, the operatic stuff. You have all the, you know, uh, the kind of the proggy stuff you were talking about, you know, Steely yeah. Dan, for example. But then once you guys hit those choruses, once you guys hit those hooks, man, they're huge. They are big. Right. Well, hopefully they are. That, oh, that's no, what it's man. supposed to be. But Exactly. But that's what I think that's kind of one of those those things that separate, you know, Queensryche from, you know, a lot of other bands, whether it be from back in the day or even, you know, now, like you were saying, a lot of the Screamo stuff. Yeah. I, I always have, have believed that, you know, song is king and melody makes the world go round. And yeah. when, when you find those those melodies when it when it's melodic and you can sing you know or you have yeah. those little parts where you know like you were talking about with striper how you can sing their solos yeah it's kind of the same thing yeah. with Queensryche, right yeah well you know that's i i don't think i'm i don't know that i'm the greatest like hook writer i mean on my solo record i think i wrote some really good hooks on there but like with Queensryche, you know eddie Eddie will help me a lot with like choruses, particularly, um, you know, and he's his pop background, you know, it comes really helps. I mean, if you take a song like Number of the Beast, you know, like the verse, that's very poppy, right? You'll take my life, but I did that too. But da ba da da ba da ba da 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 ba ba da ba. That's very pop sounding, right? The that phrasing the the way that that happens but if you put it into a metal context you're like i almost think subliminally like it it's palatable and likable because it just has that quality to it but you know yes. one one of the one of the kind of things that we do all the time is this call and answer and there's a million songs i could tell you that do it so for example you have uh the big jet city woman that's the call Here's the answer. Da 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 da. Jet City Woman. So you have this this A and B, A and B, right? Um, I don't believe in love. Never have, never will. I don't believe. So you have the big ones are always like the one and the two, or the one right. and the three, and the answers. You know, even on the new uh, the new record, there's a song called Behind the Walls. Yes, and it's like, did you? And then you have the guitar going, ever, love me, 
And so it's almost like the guitar. I said to Michael, hey, I got this chorus that I wrote for this song. It's kind of chanty. It's not really singy, singy per se, but I'm, 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 I, I'm not singing on your guitar riff. He had the guitar riff before I did the vocal. Right. And I said, I'm going to sing on the big, the big down. And then you're going to answer what I say with the guitar. That's kind of what it's going to do. And then I showed him and it's so simple and everybody sings it and they like it and it's memorable, but it's still that same formula yes. where you've, you know, um, where you have that, that, that call and answer thing. And we do it all the time. It's just kind of how we write, you know, um, Gosh, I mean, I'm just thinking about it right now. Like once you said that, I'm I'm going back. I'm like, all right, well, yeah, yeah, like London, you know, London, London, London. So you have these call and answer. It happens a lot. Lady wore black. I will be watching over you. I gonna help to see it through. I. So there it is again. Yeah. Here's the here's the A and the B. The A and the B. Yeah, Lady Wore Black, uh, Hand on Heart. Like, uh, God. Yeah, hand, hand on Heart. Da, 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 da. Hand on. There it is again. There it is. Oh, wow. Now I'm going to, I'm totally going to be like listening to it and going, yeah. Oh, there so, it is. So you'll, you'll notice that. And so, um, and sometimes what we'll do for live is we'll say, okay, obviously I'm seeing the big part on the record, but live, maybe. Maybe the Eddie and Stoney will do that A part, like Jet City Woman. I don't sing Jet City Woman. I don't sing that part. I right. can, but they do it. And then I do the answer part. Right. And and so we work it out that way live a lot of times. But there's a lot of songs that do that. Wow, and that's that's a, that's a Queensryche thing. That is totally a Queensryche thing. Now, I mean, once you said it and, and explained it, it's like, I'm thinking about so many of those tunes. That's killer, yeah. man. Wow. Right on. What's the most difficult thing that you've had to to learn or sing or, or you know, I guess, uh, yeah, the most difficult thing that you've had to kind of accustom yourself to, you know, being Singing. in this band. Well, in this band, in, in, in Queensryche. Oh, a few things. Um, I mean, the big one would be, getting used to being gone from home all the time. Sure. I, I, I hate that. I absolutely hate it. I'm gone. I don't, I'm away from my wife. I'm away from our dog. My mother is, you know, is 80 now, you know, she's kicking ass. You know, she's, she's her calendar is busier than mine. When I'm home, she's like, Oh, I'm having lunch at Bonefish at two with this friend. And then no. Thursday I'm going to hard rock and Oh, I just washed my car. You know, she's, She's awesome. But the fact is, you know, she's older. I don't see my sister very much now. Like you're gone a lot. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. But if I were doing something else and I would be like, God, I wish I could do that. You know, I wish I could do what I get to do. So that's that catch 22. Um, more specifically, you know, like learning things in the band would be from a vocal perspective, you know, there's a couple songs that were really tricky to learn the timing on, like uh, I Am I, you sure. know, that, yeah. that's a real, you know, it's like the timing is, is, is very odd. Um, and then screaming in digital, you yeah. know, there's, it's not like a, I am the, da, da, da. Da, 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 da. It doesn't happen that way. It's a certain weird flow that almost ends up almost like if you do uh, if you if you do quarter notes with your hand and you count in sevens, right? Okay. It, it creates a polyrhythm when it flips back around. So if you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So it, it reverses itself the second time around. Right. Screaming in digital kind of does that with a vocal uh, when you're thinking about doing it in a perfect uh, gridded mode. Sure. 
it, 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 there's a breath, it, like it's a feel, it's a feel thing to get that timing, right? Same thing happens with, uh, it took me a while to learn the beginning of take hold of the flame because right. when I did that, I was messing up the timing and Scott said to me, Hey, you're a drummer. Think of it this way. And I'll show you what I mean. So it's, we see the light of those who find the world has passed them by. See how it flipped it right there? So if I think, if you put it in that context, you can you can start it right. Otherwise, people are always off on that. And it was a tricky thing to learn that, that timing and that feel. And once I got it, I was like, okay, now that makes sense. I never right. could figure out, is there a push? What's going on here? Um, so those are like some kind of more detailed things of what was difficult to learn when I got into the band. Some of those things were, were kind of tricky. Um, it's different when you're singing along to a record in the car. Right. Right. Like singing karaoke, like, oh, I know that song. You're like, cool. Now you have to sing it. You're like, crap. I don't know every <laughs> single word. Like I yeah. kind of get kickstarted when you hear the other person do it. When you're the one doing it, you don't have that. Right. So those were some things. But I think overall, just, you know adjusting to being gone can is yeah. just that that was that was really tough yeah it's a, i mean you know touring myself yeah i it's definitely the the most difficult thing for sure totally, yeah for sure i mean you were talking about you know being a drummer and being kind of out of the limelight in a sense or or the spotlight if you will but now here you are fronting the band yeah how i mean how have you adjusted to that um, you know, I'm, I'm not a, other than like my Facebook artist page and like Twitter, like I don't have Instagram. Everyone's like, what's your Instagram? I'm like, I don't have it. Part of me thinks I should totally have it. And the other part of me is just like, that's just another thing I got to deal with. And, and it's most, mostly pictures. And I don't, I try to not post a bunch of pictures of myself. I'll, if it's like on stage, a, a photographer shot, that's like a really cool shot. I'll show that. Sure. Or maybe if I went to an event, which I rarely do, I was at the metal hall of fame. Other than that, I don't, I don't really go to these like schmoozy networky kind of things. I I'm just, I'm just Todd, you know, I'm just a regular guy that had an upholstery shop and was, you know, just a, a regular guy that like, I, I'm not an attention seeking person. So like after shows, I, I'm never out mingling and hanging out with a bunch of people. I'm usually in the back or on the bus or right. a couple friends and very small group of few people. Um, so for me, it's like, it's a little tough because while I can be, I can be very social. Um, I'm the guy that goes to the, to the party and, loves to hang out with the dog in the corner. Sure, man. Yeah. You know, that that's that's me. And so it's it's kind of weird be, when like I told you before, I never wanted to be up front and center and then here I am up front and center. I mean, I I I I grab it by the reins and I I do it, but um outside of the context of my my job, um you know, I'm I'm not uh a spotlight kind of person at all. Dig it, dig it. The other question that uh, that uh, my buddy Mike had, and he is a super diehard fan, is uh, when did you figure out who killed Mary and what was the clue that did it for you? Oh my gosh. You know, it's been so long, I don't even remember, to be honest. And, 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 and I remember like, um, I remember when I got into the band, I think I, I had, I said something to Eddie about that. <laughs> and I was like, I go, Hey dude. Uh, I'm like, so who killed Mary? I don't remember. And how did that happen? <laughs> and he was like, that's awesome though. <laughs> he, he was, he's like, he's like, listen to the record again. I'm not telling you. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I love well, it. You know, but when uh, I, but when I got mind crime, you have to remember I was like 14. Right. Right. 
And so I was, when I put the cassette, cause it was a cassette that I had. Um, this is when tape decks had like the smart search and it would know when the song stopped and it would go, advance to the next song or rewind to the, so I, I remember fast forwarding to the next, because when I got the tape, it was from a friend and it was mid song. And I said, okay, I want to hear a song from the beginning. And I hit fast forward to stop. Well, went to the end of the tape and that I put it in and it was this like long intro and it was not this thing happening. And I fast forward to get to the song. Yes. And it went yes. to the end of the tape and yes. I'm like, what's going on here? Uh, not knowing you know, for whatever reason, my tape deck didn't find an index for that song. <laughs> and I had to like listen to it from the beginning and the end. But at 14, I wasn't thinking of a concept and a storyline. I was just listening to a bunch of songs that had these links in between. Sure. And, you know, it wasn't until years later that I was like interested in the story as much. I mean, you know, what we, you know, you know killer now and get the get the priest as well you know that whole dialogue right. i was like oh that's that's creepy what's that about yeah and then you start to kind of <laughs> dig dig down but I, I to answer the guy's question like i don't know exactly when i <laughs> did that because when i learned of the band i was in my early teens and was a drummer and was just trying to like get along with the drums, you know? I dig it. Oh, yeah. man, that's that's great. All right, man, so now that we're coming to the end, what I normally yeah. do is, like, I'll, I'll just throw these rapid-fire questions. Yeah, it's all no, good. No thinking, no nothing. You just you just go, man. Okay. You just go. Top three singers. God, I hate this because I don't know what genre. Billy Joel, Ronnie Dio, um, Billy Joel, Dio, one more. Fuck. Barbara Streisand. Wow, right on. What song do you wish you wrote? Ooh. Another Brick in the Wall. Very cool. If there's one band that you, whether they be here or if it's an artist, whether they're here or they're gone, that you wish that you could jam with, who would it be? Probably Ronnie James Dio. Nice. Uh, right on, dude. And at last, man. Any advice for uh, any up and coming artists, younger artists that are trying to uh, to do this? Wow. Oh, I would say because it's such a different world now, right? It really is, man. I mean, everyone can. All right. I would say don't get. First of all, you have to define what back when we were younger, you said, oh, he made it or I'm going to make it. We have to define what that means, because. I have friends that gig in local bands here that I totally would say made it. Mm -hmm. They're not famous, but they earn a good solid living gigging, playing cover songs. Maybe they throw an original in here and there playing around the Tampa Bay area. They've been doing it for 30 years. I would say they made it. They get to live off of their passion, which is playing music. Um, it's a very cutthroat business. Now with the internet, there's a gazillion bands that you never knew existed because they all have a voice and a platform now. I would not take so much stock in um, thinking you need a record label. CDs are, there's, there's still an audience, our demographic, that really is into that. A younger, newer band they, they didn't grow up with, they don't know, they don't mess with CDs. They do MP3s and playlists and streaming and all that kind of crap. Sure. And, and maybe they like vinyl. My, our generation is different. A younger guy coming up, I don't think that there's as much focus on needing to be signed to a record label. I mean, you can invest in yourself, own your own masters. Um, don't sign away publishing which, you know, I'm very mindful of. So like, oh, absolutely. Should I write? I own, um, and just market yourself. The business is you'd be, uh, I mean, there's so many people in the business that don't know the business and it's, it can be very confusing. There's a lot of language. There's a lot of caveats. There's a lot of things to learn about from royalties, the types of royalties, how you're paid, trademarking, branding, um, you know, it's a very competitive world dealing with TikTok, which I don't 
care about with, you know, <laughs> having so many YouTube subscribers, which is really tough. Like what makes you different? I would say focus on your craft. If it's a songwriter, write great songs. There are there are movie companies and or places like Netflix. There's libraries there where people can get your music for syncing, for putting into movies and Netflix original shows and all that kind of stuff to you never know who you're going to meet. Yeah. You know, you never know who you're going to meet, but keep your options open and just really focus on being the best at your craft and and uh, keep it close to yourself. Don't don't trust anybody because they they say they're somebody or there's a lot of people that are famous that are broke, you know, and, and I think there's too much emphasis placed on fame and celebrity and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and the, the, um, the optics of what that imagery kind of sometimes takes over just great songwriting, just be a great songwriter first. Cause at the end of the day, that's, that's what you're leaving behind is, is the music, you know? And, yeah. and just, if you can earn a living at it, great. If you're a session player, if you're a teacher, if you privately teach, if you teach, if you teach at a school, if you're an engineer, if you're part of a staging company, production company, if you're a podcaster, if you're a touring, like there's so many avenues in around music, so um, you know, but just don't, don't worry about just becoming famous and just be great at what you do. And, and some of those opportunities will, you'll cut through the noise. If you're really good, you will cut through the noise. Absolutely, man. Well, dude, it's been a pleasure talking to you long time coming man and it's great to see you, you again and uh yeah thank you for uh, hanging with me i appreciate it brother my pleasure thanks for having me sorry it took so long hey, man, man. I, really, I really apologize well you were out with judas priest what am i <laughs> <laughs> do i do this show or do i go hang out with rob halford i well uh, yeah, I, I get it <laughs> but anyway man well, yeah. thanks thanks for your time and and thank you to your to your audience and listeners for tuning into this have it. I want to thank my special guest this week, Todd Latore of Queensryche. Y'all, Todd has done something very, very special. That band is sounding better than ever. They're crushing it. Todd is killing it out there. Go catch a live show and you'll see what I mean. They sound incredible. Also, I urge you guys to check out their new release, Digital Noise Alliance. It is so good. I am flying that Queensryche flag very, very high. Follow them on their socials, all that good stuff, man. They're killing it these days. Queensryche is absolutely back. I'm also asking you guys, go check out my website, www.kenvaldez.com. Over there, you can find my tour dates, merchandise, all that stuff. Plus, I have links to all of my socials there. I want to hear from you guys. Like and follow and friend me or whatever. Reach out to me. I love hearing from y'all and I will get back to you. If you like this show and you want to lend a little bit of uh, support, a little help in hand, hey, we got a Patreon and it helps out more than you guys know. Go visit www.patreon.com slash Ken Valdez approach and lend a helping hand because it definitely helps the wheels on this bus keep moving. Well, that's about it, everybody. Until the next time, it's been so good to hang with you again. We'll catch you later. Be good to each other. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.